knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. Poker. This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. And welcome, everybody, once again to Poker Action Line. Big Dave Lemon and uh, Joe Rodriguez. JoJo, back in town. <laughs> yes, after two weeks of being off here. So. Yeah, you have a good time on the cruise? I, a, I think I said on last week's show, I said, Joe's out uh, cruising around on a boat somewhere. Yeah, it was, it was absolutely wonderful. And I got some friends in Aruba, a guy who runs a casino at the Hilton over there that where, where uh, Brian and Sandy run the PPC. And uh, he took... He took really good care of me over there when we Terrific. were there for the day. Great to hear. And, of course, uh, the week before, I was out in Vegas and uh, watching a little bit of the main event. And uh, that's kind of where we're going to kick it off tonight. We have a special guest in the studio, Stacy Madison, who we've had on before. Good friends with the Mizrakis. Yeah. Uh, runs what was formerly the Mizraki Dealer Academy, right. teach poker dealers, mm-hmm. and is now associated with the WSOP. And those guys are, are still involved. I guess that brings up uh, the number one question in my mind mm-hmm. is... Did you have a last longer bet against the four brothers? Yeah, that's a good one. You know, it's funny too because when, you know, Mike, uh, Mike and I, you know, the bro- Rob got knocked out, and then uh, I think it was on day three. It might have been on day two or three. Donnie got knocked out. Then Donnie Eric got, got knocked, knocked out, out first. I know. Yeah, Donnie got. Oh yeah, Donnie got knocked out first. Then it was Rob. Then it was Eric, and then Mike actually had a lot of chips. He had about yeah. six hundred thousand at that point. And, you know, we were texting back and forth for updates, and I was saying, you know, how are you doing? He's like, I'm short. And I'm like, how much do you have? And he's like, 400000 I'm like, that's not funny, Mike. Because at that <laughs> point, he was like one of the chip leaders, uh, but he likes to have a lot of chips. And I was <laughs> hanging on, clawing on with 200000 So I said, listen, I feel great, so you should. Yeah, he was going pretty deep for a while. One of the chip leaders, I think, on day two when he I was, was watching him. He and was. he was starting to create this little rumble around the room that, uh, you know, watch out for the grinder. But, of course, he can... He can go from top to bottom well, very listen, quickly. Here's the thing: they were making a joke this summer that Mike's the best first day tournament player there is, you know. But Mike knows how to accumulate chips, and that's that's a talent. Right. Um, people aren't also aware of some of the beats that he takes after that too. They think that he just throws. Michael never just throws chips away, um, but he he's not afraid to get them in there. He does like to see a flop. He does, but that's not really what usually costs him chips. Yeah, um, right. You know, he he took a bunch of bad beats. Um, and, uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, I was the, what they called the last hope for the main for event. The they kept on texting me, you're the last hope, Stacy." <laughs> but I kind of knew that I would be. It was a weird feeling. So I just felt destined this year. Well, would you say this is uh, the high point of your poker career thus far? You went, you went down, uh, just to, to make it clear, uh, you went to day five mm-hmm. out of the seven days, which mm-hmm. is just a phenomenal uh, accomplishment. Thank just you. cashing is, is something great. And, and that was the story we did on those guys a few years ago. Right. All four of them cashed. We had right. them in the studio. But uh, to cash in the main event, uh, you know, even if you only win 5000 bucks, clear 5000 bucks, is still, you know, you're wading through a field of, of nearly 7,000 players. Absolutely. So that's fantastic. Well, you know, it's interesting, too. About two years ago, um, I had way more chips than I did this year. And uh, I, I think it was like top 20 in chips. Uh, I think it was on day three. And I bubbled. I got, I don't know, I got knocked out 15 or 20 away from the money. I made a terrible decision. I was playing, it was the end of day three, the last five hands, and I went over to a feature table, and I was playing on such a boring table the day before. For some reason, we all did a shot, a double shot of tequila. Don't ask <laughs> me why. I mean, I never drink while I play, 
but it was kind of like, oh, we're just going to play the last, you know, half an hour of the night, and I made a hero call against uh, Annette Obestrat with on the feature table with a pair of sevens. It's a whole story, but I got knocked out on the bubble, and the whole year I was like, I can't believe that I could have easily cashed. I was a short stack at that point, but um, I made a mistake, and so I was, I was determined to go back and kind of make a different kind of uh, main event for myself. So You played the Colossus this year. You I played did. the ladies event, which I you did. said, you know, you weren't sure if you wanted to, but everybody kind of cajoled you, know, you into every it. Every year, every year, I'm like, I don't want to play it. You know, but every, you know, listen, I love women in poker. I think it's amazing. You know, the fields are getting bigger and women are feeling more comfortable playing live. I do a lot of, uh, you know, radio shows about women in poker. And it has nothing to do with that. It's just that I find it to be a very difficult tournament to navigate. Um, there are, you know, approximately, whatever, 800, 1,000 women a lot of them and one man right and one man there's always that one guy right that pays ten there was this year one guy that paid ten thousand dollars from miami too right which is funny but uh i find it a difficult tournament to navigate because i think that women have just been getting into the game not all of them but just some and i think sometimes the betting that they do makes it more a a, a difficult tournament to navigate you know for for instance if the blinds are twenty five fifty, sometimes you'll have a woman on the table that'll make it 800 to go and you have 3,000 in chips because they're so nervous about protecting their hand. But, you know, you're, you're faced with a decision like, say, Ace, King of Spades or a pair of tens or jacks. You don't know what to do with your hand because that's, you know, one-third of your chips. Right. So I, found, I find it to be um, a bit difficult to play. But I do enjoy the camaraderie with all the women. And um, I love seeing... Uh, just women in poker in general. Uh, you run the Poker Dealer Academy. That is your main uh, job and uh, money-earning uh, position. Mm-hmm. And uh, you do get to play some. How much do you play? You played the three events out there this year. Do you try to play as much as you can? You know, or ev- you got away from it. Every no, it's I love poker. I'll never stop playing poker. <laughs> it's it's my passion. Um, but I am kind of immersing myself in the business world. I mean, you know, poker doesn't always pay, but business does, and I have just, you know, everybody's always like, come to the Hard Rocks, play the tournaments. And I think I'm so exhausted from teaching poker all day. The last thing I want to do is go play poker. So I always kind of save it for the summertime to say, you know what, I'll do all my playing during the summer. I mean, here and there, I'll go and play at one of the local casinos. Um, there's a lot of great poker rooms out here. You know, the, the Hard Rocks having all these events coming up. And I'm definitely playing the main event in that. I'm so excited about that. Got a little bankroll to uh, put yourself well, in. Well, not really. I mean, I wasn't playing for all that money. I mean, I did, I did, I did, did sell my uh, you know, percentages out and stuff like that. So I didn't make a whole lot. But the fact is, is that I got a lot of respect from my peers because you know, I haven't done anything big since the WPT final table I made in 2005. Um, I haven't played. I think I played a couple of main events since then. You know, I finished sixth in that. But that's a long time ago. So people are like, oh, yeah, she's still got it. You know, so that's, that was important to me, really. Uh, let me get the background out of the way. <laughs> Stacy finished 169th in the main event, uh, cashing for 42000 plus. Uh, not too far away from the next price jump, I guess, which I was kind of disappointing. Well, you know, I, it's funny. When you're playing, you're never worried about that. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I checked one time to see how much more money I would make if I lasted three more players. If you're going to play like that, then you're never going to come yeah, in first. Absolutely. So. Uh, exhaustion you mentioned. I want to get to that a little bit later. Uh, but the background is uh, that Joe and Stacy have known each other for for some th- uh, couple of decades anyway. I know, it's so crazy. Uh, worked together at uh, Seminole Classic. Joe right? was a floor guy. Stacy was a dealer. And uh, Joe has taught many dealers how to how to deal over the years. Now you're in the business of teaching dealers, so right. you have a lot in common in that as well. 
but uh, Joe had called me and mentioned, you know, did you see how Stacy was doing? I said, well, I saw Stacy out there. She looked like she was doing pretty good, but it was only day two. Right. And you made it all the way to day five. Uh, as people know, uh, over 1,000 players cashed, 1,011. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure that wasn't a problem. The bubble wasn't a problem no. for you because you had plenty of chips. Yeah, I was good there. I was good. I wasn't worried about that. But I do want to get into, uh, you know, what it's like to play that deep into an event. Last year we had Michael Moed, a good friend of ours, on the show. I think he finished 241st or something. Uh -huh. So all those runs uh, are just, like, beyond my comprehension of how difficult that is. So let's let's touch on that real quick before okay. we get into the, some of the uh, stories that uh, made you famous this year. Right. Uh, and that is... Uh, you played 1C, mm -hmm. you had a day off and came back and played again. That's when I saw you playing in the pavilion right, and room. Right, I was short all day. You were pretty short, but uh, uh, you look like you are hanging in there. It's funny because I saw Abby Daniels, who I'm sure you know, and Abby was down to like just a handful of chips. And, yeah. and when I came by, she got pocket aces the hand I walked wow, up. Wow, nice. And all of a sudden doubled up. And then she, she actually lasted the whole day, which kind of surprised me because she was very short the whole day. But I guess just grinding away has got to be, Oof. not even to mention the three Three days beyond that, but that day you must go home and just fall right into the sack. You, you're so you're, you know I mean, it's mentally exhausting because you can't you can't make one dis, you know one mistake. Mm -hmm. um, so you always have to constant pressure. Con well, constant decision, concentrating, um, focusing. I was day two and day three were extremely difficult for me because I had taken a lot of beats. I was just getting like a Raggedy Ann doll, I felt like, and I just kept on saying to the table, I'm not going anywhere, you know, I am staying here, and I just kept surviving and just kept taking the hits because I knew eventually, I was hoping eventually it would stop, but I, wasn't, I, I was definitely not ready to give it up. I mean, you know, I, I was posting a little bit on social media because I had a lot of friends and family and supporters. Yeah, that everybody wants to know what you're doing. Yeah, they, they, they just live vicariously. Maybe some people can't afford to play and they get excited or they've always wanted to see me do really well in a main event. Um, but I just felt like I was doing it for everybody, including myself. So Did Joe, so teach, did Joe teach you anything about playing, by the way? Mm. I don't remember. No, we played against each other when we were we? Oh, yeah, yeah, We used to play in a, a little... wasn't in the casino. Right, it was a little Yeah, but, I rem but, Joe, but Joe was um, very, uh, you know, when I was dealing, he was really a pleasure because, um, you know, he was a floor man at the time, and he always had such a, you know, wonderful energy about him, and we always got along, and we always laughed, and, um, you know, there's... There's very few people in the business that always kind of keep that positive attitude going, and right. definitely Joe's one of those. Thank you, he really Stacey. is. No, and, Thank and, and you. That's really the truth. Thank you. So. Now, listen, let me, I, you know, now that you went through day five right. and you had those, you know, four days of playing the 12 hours. Right. Let me ask you something, because Dave says, you know, I, I, I agree. It's got to be mentally exhausting. It, it and really is. And sometimes even physically exhausting, because you're sitting in those chairs for such a long time. Now... I don't know about you, but I know when I used to play, and nothing compares to this type of style, but uh -huh. when I played a lot of poker, mm -hmm. at the end of the night there, were you able to just pass out and fall asleep, or did, were you running hands through your head like I usually no, do? No, I was, you know, I was absolutely drained. By the, by the last hour, you just want it to be over. You're ready. You're like, I'm, you know, over this right now. You just, you're excited when they're calling the last, I think everybody in the tournament is thrilled when, you know, you're down to the last 10 minutes. Um, uh, you know, I would kind of leave there, and I would just be mentally exhausted. You know, luckily for me, I had a lot of friends that were bringing me masseuses over to give me a massage, every, you know, at least once a day, too, because, you know, your back is killing you in those chairs. You're really uncomfortable. Um, but the structure is the best in the world. The fact that you can play for two hours, they give you a break, two hours, you get a dinner break, but still, 
you are exhausted. I pretty much passed out. I think I took a shower and fell asleep right away. So you weren't reliving hands or situations in your head before you fell asleep? After day two, I was a little uh, concerned about what my strategy was going to be into going into day three because I really didn't have a lot of chips. You know, going into day two, I only had 48,002, so I, ha I wanted to think a little bit about what my strategy was going to be in going for the day. Uh um, but I didn't stay up for hours thinking about it. Did, did it change your outlook uh, heading out to Vegas? I mean, a lot of people go, well, I'm going to play, and I hope I do well. But, you know, hey, I want to see a couple shows. I want to I want to hang out with people. I want to network for my business, right. uh, which is which is important as well. And now, all of a sudden, it's just focus on the game. It was kind of nice because I had been kind of enjoying myself, networking and stuff like this. And this could just be about me. And um, this was just kind of about proving something to myself and I waited all year for it. You know, I wait all year to play the main event. It's just, there's no tournament in the world that compares to it. It's the hardest field to get through because, you know, look, everybody's getting 50,000 in chips. And most tournaments, they get five or 10,000. I mean, that's easier for people to get knocked out. If somebody has 50,000 in chips, that's a lot of chips for them to lose. And I, I have never seen a structure better. Yeah. It's run so well. And the chips that you get, it's almost like a long cash game. Even though I'm better at tournaments, it's it's kind of like you can survive and you you don't have to feel the pressure of doubling up right away and you can really play your game and there's a lot of strategy throughout the entire tournament. Um, so you know, for me, it's my favorite one to play by far. Well, the other thing is uh, since you're in the business of training dealers, right. uh, working, teaching floor people, even Joe as a floor person as well, and as a poker room manager is going to look at the game a little bit differently when it goes out there, almost like, you know, you have to probably hold yourself back to try to correct people when they're doing things wrong and things like that. True. So that's just something else for you to think about. It is. I mean, uh, luckily, uh, during the main event, I got... Uh, you know, very good dealers. Um, there was a couple of times where, you know, they would do something that, you know, I would want to correct just out of habit, out of being a teacher, but I held myself back, <laughs> um, which is kind of hard for me to do. But, uh, I mean, the dealers are there working hard. They're working, you know, 12, 14 hours a day. Who am I to just sit down on a table and start correcting them, you know? But when I was playing one table satellites before the main event, I was able to give them some input there because, you know, there I could actually talk to them and say, hey, listen, I got a program, or do you think there's something, you know, your, sh your, your shuffle is shuffle, shuffle, box, shuffle. It's not shuffle, shuffle, cut, you know. But during the main event, I didn't really experience uh, too many poor dealers, so I was lucky that way. And it's tough for them. We talked about it before the show that to line up 1,400 dealers for, a lot. for seven weeks of play. I mean, they don't need 1,400 the whole time, but, you know, certainly when they fill those all those rooms for the main event, they need a ton of dealers. They do. And, you know, uh, you, you try to do background checks. You try to talk to people and right. figure out if they're good or not, if they know what they're doing. Right. But you can't really well, have everything covered. Well, that's the beauty of what we're doing right now. Um, you know, uh, being the official school for the WSOP now, we are able to take any kind of deal, you know, anybody that's an official dealer, um, they take a couple-week program with us. We can teach them the extra games. We can help their procedures so they feel more confident going out there and even have the opportunity to go out there because what we're trying to do is increase the numbers of the dealers that are going out there so they can be a little bit choosier of who's going out. So right now they're short, you know, maybe 900 dealers came out. They needed, you know, 12 or 1,300. So we're looking to increase those numbers, and we're looking to help the dealers that maybe have worked a year or two improve on their skills out there. Right. Now, uh, Stacy, yeah. what, right now, I mean, we have a guest that come on before, and I've helped train with him, Mark Perlman. Okay. And he dealt at the WSOP. Right. He made some 
very decent money a few years ago, but right. then he had some friends who went out and didn't. How how are the dealers holding up as far as making money over there? I know it's based Great on question. each down, on their it downs, is. and how much money is coming into the tip pool and, and the division. What are the top dealers making and what are the not top dealers making? You know, making? that's a good question. I mean, um, I can say they're probably making anywhere between nine and 12000 for the summer. I mean, some a little bit more than others, depending on how many downs they're doing. Um, you know, a lot of dealers were complaining that they used to make tons more. But, I mean, I think that's a pretty decent pay for, for six weeks' work. Um, they are working very hard, but the experience that they gather from that and the people that they get to deal to and the whole Vegas experience is something that when they come back to their own job, they, you know, have a whole lot more confidence. And I think they really enjoy it. You know, they're exhausted at the end, yeah. I'm sure. But I think they really enjoy what they're doing out there. We had talked about it on a previous show that one fellow was kind of really distressed that uh, all the dealers kind of make the same rate. Mm -hmm. Now, they don't make the same amount of money because the better dealers get more shifts, more downs, and our, okay. our overall are making more money. But there was some kind of talk about uh, having a petition that the dealers who had been there longer should get a higher hourly rate yeah, or whatever. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Yeah. I mean, you know, okay. I've, 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 I've um, you know, there's a lot of politics. And <laughs> no chance. No, it's, 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 never, just no it's way probably to break never going to happen. And I can understand, you know, how some of the dealers feel about that. I mean, I was an elite dealer myself, and I understand, you know, I used to chop up my tips the same with the, you know, the poor dealers wherever I was dealing, um, you know, when I worked on the cruise ships and stuff. But here's the thing. I mean, you're a team, and all that's going to do is create divide. So the best that you can do is improve your skills so that you're one of the best so that you get more shifts, and that's just the way it is. I think the WSOP runs a great operation out there. I'm very friendly with Kim Smith, who runs all the WSOP dealers out there, and they've got five-star people running the show. So if they're not making the decisions to do something that, like that, there's a reason for it. Um, it's just going to, you know, like when, when I first started it's dealing, it is, it's too complicated. You know, how do you decide it becomes too much work? You're, you're dealing with hundreds and hundreds of dealers. You're not dealing with 10 dealers and, um, everybody should make uh, the same money. Everybody, you know, maybe some people aren't as good as the, the greatest dealers, but they're working just as hard. So it's a unique experience to go out there and deal. Uh, we saw an article by Nick Sorto, our good friend, uh, that works for the Herald now, that wrote, uh, you had a unique situation. I did. Which we'll get to that. Uh, and later on the show, of course, I want to discuss your business and sure. and really the uh, what's changed being hooked up with the WSOP. But let's take this first break on the show, and then we'll get back and talk about some of the crazy stuff that happened out there later in the tournament. Sounds good. Uh, you're with uh, Stacy Madison, who uh, finished 169th in the main event this year and runs the WSOP Dealer Academy. So, uh, you know, a big part of the poker world and, and really an interesting year out there at the Rio this summer. But let me tell you about Gulfstream Park, which is a place Joe and I play uh, on occasion, have a good time. Uh, another well-run room, uh, it's a little smaller in scope than uh, the Pavilion Room or the, uh, <laughs> the uh, Amazon Room or, or one of the others out there. But they do have 20 tables at uh, what is one of the most beautiful locations here in South Florida for uh, horse racing, poker, slots, and all a lot of uh, great fun things to do over there. So uh, it's a place we like to go by. It's located in Hallandale Beach uh, at the corner of Hallandale Beach Boulevard and uh, Federal Highway. And uh, very easy to get to from really anywhere in South Florida. If you're coming up from Dade, you're coming down from the Palm Beach County. Very easy to get to east of uh, I-95, in between 95 and the beaches. It's located at 901 South Federal Highway. They have 20 rooms, and uh, one of the things we like to do is occasionally play their nightly tournaments, which are at 7 o'clock every evening. Most of them are Texas Hold'em. They do have one night on Wednesdays of PLO, but uh, always a great game there. And uh, 
good dealers and uh, nice people playing there. So we do have a good time there and highly recommend that you check it out. Beautiful location, and uh, besides the racing and all the gambling type stuff, there's a great uh, village of Gulfstream Park with lots of restaurants and clubs. They have a bowling alley. They're building a uh, $2.5 million karaoke bar that's uh, really they're not going to own, but it, it's coming from a group from Israel, and it should be very interesting over there and uh, a lot of uh, fun and a great addition to what they already have. Uh, easy to see as well. Pegasus is a 110-foot bronze yes. statue out in the parking lot, so you can find it very easily. Uh, we highly recommend you go over there. Now, if you're interested in the poker and you want to find out what they spread there, um, what time they open, uh, what did tell me tell you a little bit about their loyalty program, which is great, give them a call, 954-457-6336. That's 954-457-6336. It's Gulfstream Park. Welcome to your playground. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. A lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, and you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. Tuesday nights on WFO Radio are all about Nitro. Join Joe at 7 p.m. Eastern each Tuesday night for the live edition of NHRA Tuesday Nitro. Race winners stop by to talk about bringing home the Wally every Tuesday night following NHRA national events. Tony Schumacher. Tony, welcome back. Love being on the show because you usually meant. We did something absolutely amazing. NHRA Nitro is available on demand anytime at WFORadio.com. Welcome back to the show. Big Dave Lemon, Joe Rodriguez here on another edition of uh, Poker Action Line. This is a special, special edition. 
Uh, we have Stacy Madison in the studio. Uh, I've known Stacy for several years uh, in the poker business, and Joe has known her for uh, probably more than you want to admit, I guess. Yeah, but here's the good thing. She looks just as good now as she did 20 the, years ago when I last advice, saw her. That's the best compliment I could ever hear. Yeah, Thank you so much. Stacey's a fantastic-looking woman. And, Thank you. Uh, uh, it, so I follow you on Facebook, so I get to see some of those uh, oh, yeah, paintings with the, uh, you know. Oh, oh I did a uh, uh, web page, cover page for my friend that does um, art, and she hand-painted my body. But uh, it's not, <laughs> it's nothing nude, nothing but it's, nude, it's but very uh, artsy. Still but, yeah. very nice to look at. Right? Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Anyway, uh, Stacey uh, f- did very well in the main event at the WSOP this summer. Uh, she plays it every year, and uh, she's had some success. Uh, she also runs the WSOP Dealer Academy, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But uh, you were on TV a couple of times. When you met, once you make it into day four, right. and they start covering a lot of the hands and that sort of thing, uh, they're going to come over. And uh, you were involved in a couple of hands. So I want to get to some of those because people oh, are going to see them <laughs> down in October. Don't judge me, people. <laughs> Don't judge me because it's really, you weren't there for all of well, it. You're just going to see me t- Let me tell you something. I think you handled it very well. Thank I you. I do want to talk about it. Now, most of your run-ins were against a guy named William Kasouf, mm-hmm. who was the last uh, Brit uh, left in the tournament and right. eventually finished in 17th place. So it's kind of it was kind of like karma's a bitch, you know. Right. Came back and bit him. But Interesting. I do want to talk about what happened for you out there. But first of all, uh, you know, I saw you on day two. Right. And as you said, you were fairly short stacked, but yes. made it into day three. And, yes. and what's your thought in going into each day, day three, day four, day four, you know, all of a sudden, you know, I think uh, the money, you hit the bubble on uh, day three on the night, late yeah, at night. Yeah, it was a, like, right before. Which yeah. was, it was surprising. They didn't expect it till Friday. Right, right. That's true. I think it was it was the end of day three. Um, I think we only had maybe half a level left after that. It's harder. It's all such a blur because it's so many hours. But, yeah, it was the end of day three. And, and I almost cashed last year, too. I... I, I I got knocked out at the beginning of day three, so I mean, I've been I've been working on this. By that point, you're not really concerned that you're not going to make the money, no. so you're not one of those people who's all nervous and deciding whether they should play a hand. Right. But you can take feeling. advantage of those people because you see them there. You can tell by the look on their faces that they know they want to cash so badly. Yeah, I did. I and did. I think most players with chips do take advantage of those situations. Um, you have to because I mean, you know. But then it's interesting too because when Everybody does cash, and then all the chips start flying in the tournament. And you see, I mean, so many people get knocked out so quickly in the first two hours after the cash. But, yeah, I mean, right. um, I was happy. You know, listen, you go after their chips, but you're also happy when you see them hanging on that they actually made it, too. So you're happy for them, too. Now, uh, Joe had mentioned last week when I, or on the phone when I talked to him that you made 42000 for 169 He was surprised. He right. thought that was very low. Right. But, of course, they changed the payout system this year right. because there was a lot of people complaining, and they, they made a little flatter payouts where they would pay at least a thousand players right so that spreads the money out a little bit right. you know maybe the top players are still making the huge money but uh it's that middle group in there and maybe That's the true. group around where your number was that, yeah. that get penalized true. but when you're going in you're thinking uh, i you know i'd love to cash i'd like to make fifteen thousand pay for my I don't 10 really, I, you know honestly the thing is it's such a dream for everybody to play the main event and the fact that they extend the numbers out so more people can cash i think it just keeps more people in the game and it's i think it's the right decision as we mentioned last week we talked about the churn yeah, and how to keep the money. Yeah, I, I think it's a good Stacey decision. When she yeah. sees some of these uh, hands, because you, it's true, this year was the first year that they started with the 50000 or was it last year? No, it was this year, because last year I think year we got 30, 30, 30, 30 Right. Yeah, I so remember the jump went from ten to thirty. 
And right. Then I, I read, loved the 30, and, I, and when I saw 50, I was like, hello. 50,000 this year, which you <laughs> mentioned earlier in the show, gives you a lot of room to play with, and it almost feels like a cash game because there's so much. Yeah, but don't forget, you. the thing is, is that it also gives everybody else 50,000. Right. right. But now, it, the funny part is, 50,000, like you mentioned, that's a lot of chips. Right. But yet a lot of people get eliminated. Yeah. What were those types of hands? Are you looking second best, uh, first, second best hands? Because, like you said, it's hard to get 50000 in there. Well, the thing is, is that they start off the blinds a little bit higher, and there's an ante immediately. So it's not, I mean, it's not like, listen, a lot of people think that they got to double up on the first day. They don't realize the first day is really about survival and taking your time and letting the game come to you. A lot of people, you know, listen, not everybody that plays it knows what they're doing. Or maybe they get involved in situations. Somebody's going to put you all in on day one with aces. Some people will be like, listen, there can't be a better hand, you know. Um, it's not like you're going to fold and maybe get unlucky. I mean, I, I don't really know how people get knocked out on the day Did one. Did you I've see a lot of them get knocked out while you um, were playing on day one? Not personally. I really I don't rem- I don't recall... Uh, you know, I've seen people get knocked out, but I didn't see them start with 50 and then get knocked out because I got moved like three times on day one. But, I mean, I guess just situations arise. And, you know, I, I got knocked out on day one, I think, not last year, but the year before. I mean, I was just, nothing was going my way. So it is possible. All right. But it's not because they're playing crazy for the most part? Some do. Some don't. You know, it, it, it varies. I mean, everybody's got a different story, right? Um but I didn't really see too many people throwing too many chips in there. I mean, on day two, I saw people overbetting quite a bit. But uh, day one, I didn't see a whole lot of that. Yeah, I saw one woman that uh, she didn't, uh, you know, she hadn't really planned to play, but her husband wanted to play, put her in. And, and she was like uh, into day two and doing okay, but she didn't want to play anymore. She had enough, and she wanted to ask the dealer if she could just spread her chips out between Amazing. the people at her table. I wish I was and, at the and get out. It was crazy. He was at actually at Danielle Anderson's table, and, and she had talked about what a great woman this was and how cool she was, but she just had had enough, you know, so she tried to blow off her chips, and they were, she kept winning hands. So. <laughs> Listen, yeah, that's, this, the thing is, is this tournament is not built for anyone. If you just think that you're going to play in the main event because you love poker, you're going to be in for a rude awakening because you have to be used to making decisions for, you know, 10 to 12 hours right. and... Um, if you're going to enter this tournament, you really have to kind of prepare mentally for it. It's just not for everyone, and people don't realize that until they already get in it. Absolutely. You know? So in, when you're going into day three and you're chi- picking up a few chips here and there and, and the field's getting smaller, now you're in the cash, uh, you, you, you guaranteed yourself at least 15000 right. and start moving up the, 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 the charts. Uh, what are your thoughts walking down that long hallway into the place? What are your I'm so your excited. Plans? I'm excited. I'm like... This is the first time that I went, you know, past day three, and I was like, I am. I just felt, you know, I don't believe in hocus pocus and all that <laughs> crazy stuff, but I just felt destined this year. I said, I'm meant to be here. I'm meant to be with all the beats I was taking, and with no, I wasn't getting. I had one big hand. I had kings full, but I didn't get paid a lot of money for that, and that was like my hand for two days. I mean, um, I just felt, wow, if I could just get a run of cards, got you know, who knows where I can take this. And I, I felt great. I felt, you know, especially when everybody else got knocked out and they're like, Stace, your last hope. Then I just felt everybody's support on Facebook and Instagram and everywhere else just rooting for me, sweating me, watching me. And I was like, wow, I got a whole 
team. I'm going to have the biggest reel ever if I make it here. <laughs> so I was, I was just excited. I felt good, and I was, I was proud of myself. Well, let's talk about, uh, before we get to Mr. Kasuf, right. who uh, you had several run-ins with, mm-hmm. uh, not several, but one major one, and he had several run-ins with the rest of the field. Basically, yeah. he's kind of that guy. Anyway, we'll get to him in just a second. But you had a hand against uh, Gordon Vallejo. He right. was in the big blind. And uh, it turned out to be kind of a very devastating pot for you uh, yeah. because you had to fold. The flop was 8-8 uh, deuce, and uh, he checked. You bet 100000 He checked raised to 330 You re-raised him to 600 k yeah. and he called. Then there was a 6 on the river, uh, two hearts on the board, and he checked. You bet 425 You had about uh, 500000 I don't know uh-huh. if these are exact. This is the way they cover it. probably pretty close. Uh, so he check raised all in then. For well, a I definitely and a half. okay. So let let's talk about this hand okay. because, you know, during the tournament you are going to make mistakes. Um, the the main thing is is if you can survive these mistakes. And for me, you know, this is probably going to make the ESPN table because I kind of joked with them. Oh, I'm making the biggest laydown of my career. It's just a bunch of BS. I, it really wasn't the biggest laydown, but I really kind of. Let me see how I can put this where it's okay for radio. I was kind of, <laughs> I was kind of being a little bit bullyish, okay, and I was, um, you know, I just, I didn't play the hand correctly. I had pocket nines. I raised. He called out of the blind. The flop came eight eight deuce, which to any player is just a perfect flop for a pair of nines. I check, you know, but. He was a little bit more of a conservative player, um, you know, and uh, I was excited about kind of like the momentum I had because I had just won a bunch of chips and I'd gone up to 1.7 or whatever it was. And uh, he check raised me and I thought, you know, let me show him that I'm not full of, you know, and I so I three bet him. But what I should have just done is flat called and really seen what he did on the turn and probably saved myself about, you know, 300,000. Um, I don't recall betting 400,000, but that's probably true. Um, I think we both might have uh he bet he might have check raised me again but um i definitely laid down the hand i mean i did have a hard time believing that uh he had an eight in that spot you know sometimes when your head's up at the blind you're like what are the odds that he actually has an eight here you know but um (laughs) i thought the better of it and i said this isn't the hand that i definitely want to go out on um i was a little upset with myself for putting so many chips in the middle so that's definitely not a hand that I'm proud of. I'm just putting that out there. Um, there was 5,000 other hands that I was proud of, but unfortunately right. that's Absolutely. the one that catches the TV. That's, you the, know? that's the one that people, the average fan, doesn't realize is how many great plays you made throughout the tournament Correct. that no one will ever hear of again. Right. And it's just unfortunate, you know, that sometimes on day five, that's where the camera's catching. You know, they're they're coming in when the pots are big, whether you're, you're making a good play or a bad play. And unfortunately... Um, that wasn't a play that I, I, I should have made. You know, I should have just flat called him on the flop, seen what he did on the turn, and kind of made a decision on there, maybe even flat called him, and then probably on the river I would have folded. Um, but I did – he is such a class act. Um, he we, made the November 9th. Yeah, yeah, and I'm very happy about that too because he really is a class act. Him and I spoke outside the table, and he said to me, Stace, you know, I'm not going to talk to the table and uh, tell them what I had and stuff, but, uh, you know, I have respect for you and, and your game. And he's like, I, I actually did have the eight, nine of diamonds there. And I was like, yeah, wow. a pair of nines. And, and he was 100% honest. And he's just a really, really classy guy. I'd love to see him do well on this uh, final table. I'm actually rooting for him and Griffin. Um, I do know there's a local on the final table that uh, plays yeah, a lot Jerry, of the hard rock. Jerry Wong. Jerry Wong that a lot of people love. So any of those three, you know, I'd be thrilled if one of them won. Because um, they're both, they're all three great guys. So you made a great fold. Uh, you just didn't like the way I you played it earlier. I just put so many earlier. chips in there. There's no reason for me to put so many chips in there. You know, I mean, I wish I could just speak R-rated here on what somebody told me. <laughs> <laughs> I said, you know, 
but uh, it's it's um it, it it you know I was like okay Stacy calm down you know um, sometimes you get kind of wrapped up in the moment but it's like sometimes you know when you're when you're a female player too you get you know you get aggressive too just like the guys you have to stay in that kind of mindset because if you're going to act like you know, all feminine and prissy like a girl um, sometimes you're not going to uh, be able to move guys as well, and I think I just was way too aggressive in that hand. Just reading it, it seems devastating at the time, but you said you made a lot of those chips back, oh, yeah. so that wasn't a key to I getting knocked to, out. Listen, I, that's one thing I know how to do is I know how to make chips. Um, I've you know learned that a lot um, through talking with uh, you know my brothers and fellow pros, Mike and Rob. Um, we discuss a lot of uh, poker, and I've watched and sweated them enough to know what to do. And I also have a very good instinct. I've been playing 20 years. I mean, you might not see me on television stuff, but um, I'm very confident in my game, and um, I think I throw guys off a little bit, just the fact that I'm a female, you know, so... You're able to use uh, the feminine uh, You know, it's funny, too, because... It's your advantage, right? Well, normally, you I... You can I, still use those feminine wilds. Yeah, I used to go to poker, you know, when I go to a cash game player, I, you know, sometimes I'll wear something a little low cleavage, you know, get their <laughs> attention off and stuff, but during this main event, I swear to God, I wasn't at all... Um, consumed with how I looked. Um, I didn't care about, you know, how sexy or the pictures. And, you know, I had a hoodie on. I had cat glasses. I looked silly almost because I didn't care. Cause I like to me, to me <laughs> it was all about poker this year. You know, um, I made that mistake in the WPT final table. All I cared about before uh, going on TV was what I was going to wear and what I was going to look like. And, gosh, I hope that, you know, everybody, you know, likes how I look or whatever. And all it did was take me off my game. And I said, you know what, I don't care about any of that. I care about let's make the money, and then I can worry about what I look like. You and know? This, this is the year you're on TV. Isn't that funny? <laughs> well, you know, I pop, But listen, those cat glasses are uh, from a girlfriend of mine who um, owns a business um, selling those glasses, and they're really funky and original, and everybody was asking me about them. So I decided to wear them every day. I actually took a little piece of everybody that I loved with me. You know, I wore a hoodie for my friend's brother. Cool. I brought glasses, just all things so that I felt like they were kind of there with me. That's cool. So, you know. uh, was William Kasuf at the table at that time? He was. Um, he was kind of chatting up uh, Luis, um, who was another female player that I think she finished 142nd. She's a friend of mine also on Facebook, um, very, very nice, classy person. He was doing all kinds of his regular shtick with her. Um, she ended up getting her aces cracked by him, and then every time he raised, she actually woke up with a hand, and she moved all in on him four times and got his ego rolling, and that's what led up to what happened with him and I. Okay. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. William Kasuf is uh, British and uh, has a history of uh, being very chatty at the table. Uh, you said he was kind of, uh, you know... Kind of funny, actually. A little irritating, yeah, I mean, but I kind think, of funny. I think a lot of people quoted me thinking that, you know, I just think he's just just horrible human being and that I think, you know, what he did was just... A, listen, I mean, I've been in this business a long time. I found him to be um, entertaining. I think he did take up too much time um, and, you know, did take up a lot of attention on himself every time he was involved in a hand. Maybe that's his game. But that, you know, that the person that was calling the clock on me should have been worried about calling the clock on him a couple times, but the guy had just gotten to the table. Um, I found him to be mildly entertaining, but kind of amateurish in his talk. Um because usually pros don't have to sit there and talk to you for half an hour every time right. you're involved in a hand with them, you know. It's funny. I, as I mentioned to you before the show, there's a YouTube video on there of him uh, irritating Vanessa Selbst. And uh, at the end of the commentary, Joe Stapleton says, uh, uh, hey, Vanessa, welcome to every room in, in every poker room I in London. I watched that video. I watched that video. I mean, you know, a lot of people like to play poker 
and, and quiet when you're making decisions, especially big decisions. Um, I'm probably one of those. I love table talk. I think everything that Daniel Negrana does is great. Um, I don't see Daniel breaking any rules. Um, you know, there's certain things that you can't do when you're talking to opponents, which is talk about your hand, talk about what they have, make tell them to call or tell them to fold. There's certain guidelines that WSOP has set in place. I think that should be set for anything. I think you should be able to talk to your opponent. I talk to my opponent all the time because sometimes you feel like you can get some information. But there's kind of a line that you can't cross. Um, I want to say for the record that I don't have anything personally against him. I do think that this hand that uh, him and I got involved in, uh, there was a little bit of integrity lost on his part. But um, I, I think he, you know, he was trying to get there just like I was. Right. You know. Uh, let's talk about the hand a little bit. Uh, as usual, the cameras sometimes get there a little bit late, and they apparently didn't Always show up get to there the late. river. I want to, yeah. <laughs> but t- talk about it from the flop. Uh, five, three, deuce, uh, rainbow was the flop. You're holding pocket queens. I can't uh, believe I have to relive this. I'll tell you this. <laughs> I do want to say. Be- I, I will apologize. No, it's okay because I've relived it all week because I've relived it with the media and stuff. But here's, and I'm sure I'm going to relive it with ESPN. That's just going to be great to watch myself. <laughs> I'm going to be under the covers. People just have my back. But here's the thing. What people don't understand before this hand, because a lot of people don't understand why I laid this hand down before we get into this. I just want to say there was a quick hand before prior where. Um, he had raised. I had a black ace queen. The flop came uh, ace of diamonds, seven six of hearts. Uh, he ch- he bet. I raised him. I knew I had him beat. On the turn came a five of hearts. He check raised me all in. Went into the whole spiel about if I have the ace of hearts, I should call. You know, breaking all kinds of rules here, which is what I regret the most that we didn't call a floor person here to at least have warned Before him about a penalty. This ha- this happened two hands prior to this. Um, this went on and on about what I should have, how he wants me to call, yada yada yada. Penalty, 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 but, you know, the floor men, the, I'm sorry, the, the floor people weren't there. They weren't called. The dealer had just warned him four times. Um, and it turns out I fold because I didn't want my tournament life, you know, uh, to get unlucky, even if I did have him beat at that point. And uh, he showed the camera supposedly a straight flush. I mean, I guess we'll see in uh, August, September, October, whenever they air this. But I was told that he had a straight flush. Now, the whole time prior to this hand that we're about to go in, I never saw him put his chips in bad. I never seen him make a stupid play. I saw him make a lot of stupid talk, but I never seen him put a chips in bad. So this really does come into play with the decision that I made and the hecticness that happened. So, yes, go ahead, Dave. Well, with the the pocket queens, I'm just wondering if uh, right around the flop, if maybe you made a mistake that maybe you could have got him off the hand in the very beginning that you you didn't No, I mean, you know, I... I raised, um, he was the big blind, I raised with uh, two queens, and everybody folded, and he called out of the blind. The flop came, uh, I think it was 5-3 deuce, right. and uh, he checked, I bet strong. I was like, I hope he calls me with a 5-3 or deuce, I'm going to get my chips right back from him. Um, even if with marginal hand, like 8s or 9s, he called on the turn card coming 8. Um, he checked, I bet, he almost kind of looked at his hand twice. I mean, I wish I could think about all these things when I was making the decision, but then he called. And I was thinking, wow, he really doesn't believe me. So now the river comes, a, you know, a 10, no flush. Obviously, the straight was on the flop, but I wasn't concerned with that. And then he check-raised me all in and was just, it just erupted. I mean, it wasn't just quiet table talk. He was standing up, he's going, you, you know, and all the camera crews came over because the pot wasn't what it says it was, 700000 It was over, you know, $1.2 or $1.3 million. Um, he, I mean, because I had 
used up about seven or eight hundred just on my own. So it had to have been like one and a half million at least, plus the blinds. Um, and he said, what's in the pot? And that's when he check-raised all in, and he says, I'm going for it, man. He goes, you know, and he gave me the same speech that he did with the straight flush, um, except he was saying, um, I want you to call, I want you to call. And I kept on saying to him, I know I have you beat here. I mean, instinctively I knew I had the best hand, but I was kind of confused by what was going on. Now the floor men instantly come over because he's breaking all the rules again, but this time, you know, the floor was called. Four floor guys in there, pandemonium. Every single ESPN camera had surrounded us. Um, they're telling him to stop talking that he's getting a penalty. I lost my attention for a second and started becoming business, Stacy, paying attention to the floor's rulings because that's what I do for a living. Okay? <laughs> that was just, you know, uh, really difficult. Um, I was interested. Jack Effel came over who, you know, doesn't normally get involved. Everybody said it had to do with me. It had nothing to do with me. I think they had been kind of viewing William for a while and had made a decision on him that, you know, he was probably going to earn a penalty anytime soon. And Jack took over, did an extremely professional job of telling him, listen, no more talking. We're giving you a round penalty. No, please leave yourself from the table. Here's the problem. William wouldn't stop. He kept on going over Jack's arm and continuing. And I was so like, I've never seen anything like this. So it was like watching a horror show when I have my tournament life on the line. So my focus got put off. Um, it's too bad they didn't kill the hand like they said they would. You know if he what? said I one th- more word. I but know. He and I said, why? <laughs> and I said, why is his hand still alive? And then, you know, I got, I got flack from that on Twitter. Somebody said, how could you call his hand dead? I've just never seen anybody get penalties and continue on and ignore the vice president of the WSOP. And then he started zipping his mouth and doing hand motions. I mean, the guy was just relentless. And now looking back, obviously, he was so desperate for me to fold. I should have taken a cue on that. But while that was happening, a new guy that just sat on the table for two hands calls a clock on me in the middle of the pandemonium, which really kind of really made me so upset, like, wow, it was almost like a pummel, like, you're going to get on me while all this is going on, at least I just want a minute to think about it, so all I could hear was nine, eight, seven, six, five, right, all I say to myself every day is, call, call, you know what I mean, but I I folded uh, Queens, Um, he showed over nine high, pounded his chest like a boss, you know, all that. Uh, whatever it was. But I looked at myself and I said, you know what, that was a really unfortunate situation. But guess what, I'm still in. And part of the decision of me not acting so quickly is is that if I was wrong about calling him on that bluff, uh, you know, if I was wrong and he re- actually did flop a set or made two, whatever it was, um, I would have been out. But the fact is, is if I was wrong about the bluff, I still had 500000 and I knew how to build that right back up to 1.4 because I had done it the round before. I wanted to stay in the tournament. I wasn't afraid. I just didn't make a correct decision. I was thrown a little bit off by the pandemonium and the guy calling the clock on me. And he so pounded his chest, and uh, basically they sent him off then. So the very next hand, he's gone from the table, right? So very he doesn't even see this. Very next hand. Very next hand. I, I, the dealer deals the next hand. I look down. I have two black aces. I'm like, Justin. <laughs> like this is going to be great. Like I'm going to double. Like what better hand could you get after a situation yeah. like that? Nobody's going to believe you have aces. They're all going to think you're on tilt, and uh, and that's it. And so you know uh, the seat two had who had uh, three bet uh, prior raise called. The flop came down king king, and that was the end of me in the main. Wow. Event. Yeah. Uh, so you're out, and yeah. and how do you feel then? I mean, uh, obviously you feel Oof. horrible, but. Uh, 
you know, do you want to hunt this guy down and no, uh, give him a no. shot in the back of the head? Or I'll what? tell you what, I got so many messages about so many people that wanted to do that, like, oh my God, what, you know, it's so obnoxious, <laughs> and I'll punch him out for no. you. And I said, listen, and I mean, you know, uh, like I said, I mean, everybody's got their own game. His behavior is going to speak for themselves. Some people love it, some people hate it. I was just trying to play the best game. It's you know I don't want William to overshadow what I did for five days. I don't want you know obviously this hand was you know everybody thinks that I should have easily called, but you have to understand when you're in this situation and you've been playing for five days and you've seen how everybody's plays are and you know all the circumstances leading up to it. I'm not trying to justify it, but it's very easy to to, to have an opinion. And um, all I can tell you is I played with all heart. I played the best poker of my life. I wish I would have called there too, you know. But um, I'm, I'm ready for the next tournament. You've got to kind of let, let it go after a few days. Obviously, I was pretty distraught. But uh, Grinder and Rob and Kevin and all my team, they took me out. And we just had the best night ever. And we celebrated because everybody was really proud. Well, I don't know if it gives you any enjoyment but it, or how closely you followed him afterwards, but he actually built up to 32 million chips. That's with tw- unbelievable. With 21 players left, he was in second in chips. I did hear something of the sort. Yeah. Now, he lo- he got knocked out in 17th place, and I just want to look real quickly at the two hands that sent him down. Okay, so sure. Any, uh, and, it, and it's really this whole karma is a bitch and what comes and goes around comes around. <laughs> I mean, it's absolutely so true in poker many, many times. But he went up against Gordon Vallo, mm-hmm. who was the first hand we talked about here. Right. And uh, the flop was ace, nine, five. It was all diamonds. Okay. You know, so obviously big red flag going up. So uh, he flopped three aces? Uh, exactly, three? yes. Okay. Yeah, he had pocket aces. That's uh, so amazing. <laughs> uh, Vallo, of course, so well, as it turns out, uh, was holding one diamond. But uh, obviously he doesn't know that. But Vio checked. Kasuf bet uh, $1.775 million. Uh, Vio called. The turn was the fourth diamond, the seven of Boom, diamonds. right away. So Vio checks. He's uh, playing it cool. Uh, right, slow playing this is big, uh, big flush. Uh, and Kasuf checks. Now, well, he's got, he doesn't have the nuts either. There's a king of diamonds and a queen of diamonds out there. True. So he's lucky to get... That's kind of a tricky hand for ace yeah, with a jack exactly. of diamonds. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't know that uh, that he was oldie holding the jack. Right. So, uh, but the whole thing is mainly... Wasn't Kasuf playing this a little too uh, coy himself and not uh, making a bigger bet earlier with the pocket aces? Uh, and that's what came, well, comes back to bite him? I, you know, I don't know. I mean, it, the thing is, is that when you're playing heads up, you you, you can't always be afraid that the person, you know, your opponent has the hand to beat you, has diamonds in his hand. Maybe they're just trying to get you off a hand. But he probably should have played it a little bit cool. I think he played it okay. I mean, on the turn, I don't know why he would have stormed out in bed unless that he was trying to represent the king of diamonds or queen of diamonds, which normally could have made somebody with an ace with the jack of diamonds fold. So it's kind of hard to say. I mean, what were the blinds at this point? Uh, I don't know. Uh Let's see, Vio heads, oh, 71 big blinds after the hand, so wow. uh, before that, you know, they're right around, it's probably about reversed of what it is here, 71 and 37. So. Okay, so Kasef made a bet on the turn with the fourth diamond? No, uh, he, checked. no he checked, he checked on the turn, and, and Vio uh, checked first, X. and then Kasuf uh, checked behind okay. him. Okay, and then so the river was the six of diamonds, so now there's five wow. diamonds out there it's on the board. It's the worst feeling ever when you have three aces. Yeah. And uh, so Vio checked, uh, and Kasuf bets $3.3 million. That's just the dumbest bet on, on, on earth. And Vio called. Well, I'll tell you, well, you know what? Here's the thing. Let me think about that for a second, because maybe he's trying to... 
maybe he's realizing that Gordon isn't as strong as possible. Because, you know, if Gordon had a higher diamond, I'm sure he wouldn't have checked on the turn. Or he wouldn't or have checked wouldn't on the river. Or, definitely on the river. Not, right, or definitely, exactly. definitely wouldn't have checked on the river. Gordon was first act, right? right yes. So by Gordon checking on the river, I think actually that was a pretty strong bet because he's making the guy faced with the decision, is your jack of diamonds good enough? I can't tell you right there if I call with the jack of diamonds. There's two diamonds to beat you. It's very, very easily he could have had the ace with the queen of diamonds or, you know, the king of diamonds. Um, that's a tough call. Um, he obviously had a read on him to make that call. Uh, so, you know, great call. Um, but I actually don't think that river, I mean, that, you know, that could be up for discussion. Most people might say, you know, you've got to be done with the hand once he's calling you. But the fact that he checked on the river, I think that's kind of an interesting bet, actually. Yeah. Well, four hands later, he goes up against Griffin Banger, who made the uh, November 9th. He's so great. I love Griffin. He's, he's, uh, he's also the commentator. As I mentioned last week on the show, he commentates on the GPL, the Global Poker League matches. Griffin's great. So he's really uh, very well-liked, and a lot of people like him. He's from yeah, Canada. That's cool. Uh, but uh, the next hand, it turns out, Banger's holding pocket aces. Right. Or, or in this hand, uh, four hands later, Kasuf is holding pocket kings. Right. So uh, Banger raises uh, out of the under the gun. Kasuf three bets to twenty three two point three million. Uh, Banger four bets to five point six. Wow! And Kasuf uh, goes all in for thirteen point four five million. That's just the dumbest play on earth. So uh, as it turns out, well, he's got the kings, and, and he's probably million. tilted from this other hand. No 13 question. Thirteen million. Uh, no, that's just. I mean, I you know. I mean, I, you're, I you're that close. I would like that. I would probably flat call the you're, two You're on the, the final guy, two the guys tables. Now, what's the board? Yeah, I mean, exactly. Yeah. You, know what's so, it's, you know what's so interesting about this is that Griffin and I played on day four, and, you know, we have a mutual friend, Sorrel Mitzi, who came over to the table, you know, um, and said, hey, Griffin, be nice to Stacey. I said, don't tell him to be like that. Let him play how he wants to play. But we had chatted, and, you know, um, right after Sorrel left the table, I had raised and Gordon re, three, uh, bet, re-raised me, and I three-bet him, and he four-bet me, and I went all in. This was on day four. The, the pot was a million, where that was a giant pot at that point, and we both turned over pocket aces. So we had a good laugh wow. out of that. <laughs> so, you know, um, this hand right here, I, I personally like how William played the hand with the diamond because he could have made uh, Gordon uh, lay down the hand. I don't like this play at all. Um, Kings is not aces, and there's a good chance that... Uh, you know, somebody, you just have to have Somebody four-betting you. Well, I mean, listen, big you know, at I that mean, point. most people don't four-bet with queens. Um, so, you know, I even think, you know, I mean, he obviously didn't have a read on Griffin. The fact that he yeah. would go over all in was just frustration right there. To me, that just screams Unless frustration. Unless he just thought Griffin was trying to bully him a little bit. I don't know. At this point, they're all trying to make the final table, you know, to become yeah, a November 9. Yeah, we're down to two nine. tables yeah, here. Yeah, it's yeah. almost Kasuf like... Kasuf is fourth in chips with two tables left. You've looked at two raises already into, into you. Yeah, people okay, aren't playing the guy crazy. Re-raised, you know, came out with a raise, he got raised, he re-raised them, and then he went all in with the Kings. That's crazy. You, you know, you once he gets at three the betting bet, pattern on this, he gets three either bet, he's got air or he's got aces. Well, I'd probably flat call him on the three bet and then just see what he does on the flop. And uh, kind of really make a determination, like, could this guy have aces and could he have me beat? And coming in 17th, you're eight away from making the November 9. You've got to make solid decisions, and nobody's throwing their tournament life away around here. And he should have kind of made that determination. I'm sure he probably regrets that play. Or maybe he doesn't, you know, but I would have never played the hand that way. Uh, we're kind of running a little short on time. We need to take one more break, so we'll do that uh, and then talk a little bit about uh, the Academy as we uh, wind things up here on the show. Great stuff. This is another four-hour show that 
unfortunately, <laughs> have to fun. condense into an hour. Right. This so, is good stuff. so we certainly could do a lot more. Maybe we'll have you come back every week for like four weeks. Listen, <laughs> I love doing this kind of stuff. I love talking about radio. Well, let's so, let's I mean, not poker. let's not yeah. make it so long next time. Okay? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be my point to do that. Anyway, we'll take a break in the show. Gulfstream Park is your place for uh, entertainment here in South Florida for gambling. Uh, for beautiful scenery around the track. It's just a, a great place to go. It's open uh, for racing Wednesdays through Sundays, but uh, the poker room is open every day, of course. Uh, they do close for a few hours overnight during the week. On the weekends, they go 24 hours around the clock. And, of course, the uh, same with the slot machines there. But if you like to gamble, there's stuff to do for the whole family. You can, uh, If your wife doesn't gamble, maybe she wants to go shopping, takes the kids to, to go have some uh, lunch or dinner while you're playing a few games of cards, uh, certainly, it's uh, the stuff to do for the whole family. You can all get together and enjoy the beauty of horse racing, which is uh, certainly one of the most majestic and regal sports around. And uh, Gulfstream Park does it right. There's no question about that. It's located in Hallandale Beach, the southern part of Broward County. Easy to get to, as I mentioned earlier, from all parts of, of uh, South Florida. And uh, certainly, if you're coming down for the Seminole Hard Rock tournaments in August, you want to make your plans to go over there and maybe pay, play a few games uh, when things are not uh, quite ratcheted up to the highest uh, pressure of uh, a $5 million guaranteed tournament. So okay. uh, certainly some stuff to do and a lot of fun, and we uh, invite you to check it out. The address is 901 South Federal Highway in Hallandale Beach, right off Federal Highway. And the phone number for the poker room, if you need some information, 954-457-6336. That's 954-457-6336. Gulfstream Park, tell them Big Joe and Big Dave sent you over. This is Poker Action Live. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean. You can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. I started going cold turkey. Well, at least when I'm in the car. I know I shouldn't do it, but it's so hard to stop. That's why I hide it from myself, so I won't be tempted. I used to do it all the time. I stopped by locking it in my glove compartment. My friend used to do it way too much. Now I turn it off when we're in the car. My solution is simple. 
I just don't do it. There are lots of ways to stop yourself and others from texting and driving. How will you stop? Tell us at StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the show. Sometimes the best part of the show is in in, during the breaks. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, Stacy Madison joins us tonight. Great show. Absolutely so interesting. And uh, and we'll have to rehash it again uh, when the TV shows come around. So uh, oh I'm boy. sure you're not looking forward to that. No. But Well, uh, I mean, I hope ESPN's nice to I me. Mean, I mean, that's the question that I really want to ask you is how long after you got knocked out did it take you to really kind of realize what a great accomplishment it was? Probably today. Today? <laughs> yeah, because... Three I mean, weeks later? Well, yeah, because I was going... For the first couple of days, I was just kind of in shock. Um, then I was, you know, kind of trying to avoid being, you know, upset over it. Because, listen, a lot of people wish they could have gone to that far. And I couldn't... You know, I had to be grateful that... Um, Things did go my way to, to get me that deep, and, you know, this is an accomplishment that I should be proud of. I don't want any of that sadness to overshadow it. It's just like when you're so close, and especially being a female, I wanted so much to make history. Um, I really felt like I was kind of destined to make that final table, you know. Um, and then when I came home, I did a lot of hand analysis over, you know, how it affected me. I mean, if you play in a tournament like that and you don't learn something or you don't take some time to think about the decisions you made – um, then you're not going to do better in the next tournament. And so I spent a lot of time thinking about it, mulling over, um, trying not to put blame on anything else, um, and just figuring out, you know, why I didn't follow my instinct on there on calling and, you know, kind of beat myself up. I think most people do that when they get knocked out. And then I was over it. I was like, okay, the Hard Rock tournament's coming, the $5 million guarantee, um, you know, it's not as prestigious as the main event. But listen, you know, maybe here's a chance for me to kind of uh, take this uh, run that I'm going on and do really well in here and, and, and make myself even prouder. So, you know, you just got to kind of pick yourself up and move on to the next. Now, you've been close with the Mizraki family for a long time. Yeah, uh, like 18, 19 years. You told an interesting story off the air. I don't know. I want to see if you want to tell it on the air. That, that Grinder sent you a text. And, he did. And, and tell us that story. Well, first of all, you know, he's, he's such a fantastic player, and he really has my back. Um, you know, he, he sent me a text on my way down to day five on a hand that Dan Heimiller, I don't know if I'm pronouncing yes, that right, correct. that was involved in, um, and he wanted me to analyze it and discuss if it was a good play or a bad play and he really thought that that was going to help my game on day five i didn't read it till six days later like kind of like spent time looking because i had so much to catch up on obviously when i came home and i analyzed and he was so happy uh with my conclusion and what i said and he was just over the moon and he's like i wish i wish he would have read this on day five because it would have just changed everything but you know next time um but it was uh, it was fun to kind of be in that same mindset and really be able to analyze a hand that a lot of people wouldn't have seen the same way. So well, we'll save that hand for another show because uh, it's kind of uh, convoluted and uh, and interesting. But I mean, yeah. uh, it's a long story. Yeah. Uh, and you've given us so much uh, strategic uh, information tonight and <laughs> your thoughts you. behind it. It's great stuff. Uh, absolutely love this show. Um, tell me a little bit about uh, the Dealer Academy and how that's affected. You, you've been open for a while as Ms. Rocky Dealer Academy. Uh, the WSOP came in and said, we'd like to be affiliated with you. Uh, they, don't, they don't put a lot of, uh, you know, 
demands on you as far as how you run the school, mm-hmm. but you do get to use their name. Well, here's the thing. Um, you know, we had uh, our land-based school here in Hollywood, Florida, and um, ever since we opened up the school, Robert Mizraki and I had discussed um, what we wanted to do really with the future with it. It wasn't just opening up a land-based school. We kind of wanted to delve into online programs, which has not been done. I mean, I think there's some kind of casino school on air, but it's nothing to what we wanted to do. And uh, we got the opportunity um, to kind of write programs. We kind of experienced things with other developers. And now, you know, we wanted to do something fresh and new. You know, the issue with the WSOP having so many dealers and so many people complaining, oh, these dealers aren't good. I wanted to come up with a way to train them without them having to, to come down to Florida. So anyways... In a short story, um, we got hooked up with um, Dan Fleischman, um, some great developers. We created brand new programs, and you know, we we had a talk with the WSOP, and we said, listen, you know, this this might be great for your organization as far as you know, getting people new new dealers on board, helping some of the dealers that are having problems with some of the new games that you teach here. We want to help. You have a problem, we have a solution. And and you know, through a lot of talking negotiation, it took about about a year. Um, they said, you know what? How would you feel about being the official school of the WSOP? And uh, I got to tell you, it was a highlight in my career. Um, it was something that we are so proud of. And so, of course, you know, we changed our name from the Mizraki Dealer Academy to the WSOP Dealer Academy. Uh, we have our land-based school, but what we have created is three fantastic programs that two of the three are ready right now. There's a $99 program that's available for anybody's mom, friend, sister, aunt, brother that wants to learn just the basics of dealing. Will it certify you to work in a casino? No. It's 30 videos of Michael Mizraki and myself showing you how to pitch, shuffle, spread, how to you know, run a friendly game or you know, a home game where it's legal. Um, and it's a great value at $99. I mean, it's, there's a lot of work and the production is amazing. And you can purchase it right now on our website on WSOPDealerAcademy.com. Our second program is for anybody that wants to be, that's already a dealer that wants to deal for the WSOP, whether it's, you know, during the series or other times during the year. Um, the program, I think, believe is $265. This is a taught program, meaning that you'll watch the videos, but you'll have a live instructor to help you throughout any problems that you have. We also give the audition at the end of the program. And, you know, if everything goes uh, okay with uh, human resources, we can actually offer you a job with the World Series of Poker, which is fabulous because a lot of people want to come out there and deal. Now, our third program is going to be a fully structured program. Development will be finished uh, in fall. That's for anybody in the world who wants to be a dealer that can't find the time to go to a land-based school that wants to be taught. We can fully certify you. We're certified by the Board of Education. can get you a diploma. You'll have an instructor all the way to the end. We've already tested it. I think with six dealer, six potential dealers, we graduated them. They all got jobs within a week, so we know it works. And this is great for your moms or the people that are working full-time that always wanted to kind of learn how to deal or, you know, deal part-time, didn't find the time to go to a a land-based school, we've got the answer for you. That will be ready in fall. You can call us um, at the school anytime to find out about when that's going to be available. Um, Our number is 954-963-3777. One more time. 954-963-3777. Check out our website on wsopdealeracademy.com. 
you'll be happy that you did. There's really nothing else to uh, ask. Uh, you covered it so well. Uh, congratulations about uh, the great job. Maybe if you'd made the November 9, uh, it would oh, help wow. the school a little bit. Yeah, that would have been great. <laughs> that would have been great. But don't count me out because it's only this year. There's yep. still next year, it's right? It's always Good. next year, of course. Uh, and you're going to play in the Seminole Hard Rock Poker Open, which is a big thing here in South Florida coming up in the month of August. Yeah, and we'll excited. be talking more about that over the next couple of weeks. Uh, I got a chance to see Joe, which is I know, the highlight of the show. What do you mean it was the wonderful? The highlight was for me. Oh, <laughs> thanks, Joe. For me. Thanks, Joe. Uh, anyway, we got to wind things up. Uh, we always run overtime, but uh, we uh, we put the heat on on Gio, who does such a great job of putting the show <laughs> together, and we really enjoy I th- it. Thank you guys for having me here. I really appreciate you giving me the chance to tell my story. Absolutely, too. and let's not make it so long between the next visit. Uh, no, you okay. certainly know how to get here now. Just pop in anytime. I will. That's Wednesdays, five thirty to six thirty. We'll bring you right in on the show if you got anything going on. Sounds great. Okay, that's going to do it for tonight's show. Thank you for everybody for uh, their contributions this evening. Uh, one of my favorite shows of all time, i got to say. Oh, it was a great show. Well, thank you so uh, much. Certainly, just like the kind of things that we, we want to accomplish. Uh, you can always did fly. You can always pick up the show if we don't treat it to you directly like we're going to do with Stacy. You can pick it up on iTunes. Uh, download the show for free. Go to our website, PokerActionLine.com. Go to the Poker Fuse podcast page. You can pick it up there. Or go to Hold'em Radio. They have a great spot usually on Friday nights or Saturday nights. Run the show a couple of times, and you can get it there as well. Hold'emradio.com, great place to pick up Poker Action Line. That'll do it for the show. We'll catch you next week, another edition of the program. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies.